Here we are, the first morning of a new year. I wonder what you're uh, hoping for this year. As you kind of look ahead into 2017, um, what is it that you want from this year? Do you want to change? Are there some things you'd like to maybe forget and leave behind in the past year? Kind of have a fresh start in the new year? Do you want a job this year? Maybe you want a better job, promotion? Do you want more money? Maybe you need to pay off some debts, pay off the credit card after Christmas. Uh, do you want better relationships this year? Would you like your mental health to be more stable? Are you hoping just for better physical health this year? Maybe you're hoping to lose weight and get fit. Maybe you're hoping to be healed from something this year. Cancer, heart disease, chronic fatigue. What is it that you'd like in 2017? On Christmas Day, as Bryson already mentioned, we thought about how God himself came to be with us in his son Jesus. I wonder if you were there and you bumped into Jesus, you literally ran into God with us, I wonder what it is that you might ask him for. What what would you want from Jesus? What do you need from Jesus? Well, today's passage is going to be a real interesting one, I reckon, because it's all about a sick person who really needs to be healed, and so he goes to Jesus for help. Now, what happens turns out to be a little surprising and it has a really important lesson for us as we think about what we want and especially what we need for 2017. So let's start by looking at this sick person and what it is that he needed. Verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Okay, so have you got the picture here? Jesus has gone into a house in a town called Capernaum. The people of the town heard that he's there, and heaps of them gather together to listen to him teach. And while he's there, standing in the house, teaching the people, some other men come, bringing this sick person. And he's described as a paralytic. In other words, he can't walk. He's a cripple. And so what he needs is he needs to be healed. Because, of course, he lives in a society where there's no uh, social security, there's no hospitals, there's no wheelchairs. And, in fact, he lives at a time when uh, being a cripple, being a paralytic, would have severely reduced your life expectancy. So this sick person, he desperately needs to walk. Now, thankfully for him, he has some good friends. And almost certainly the sick guy and his mates had heard about Jesus because it turns out this isn't the first time that Jesus had been to their town. So back in Mark chapter 1, it turns out that Jesus had already been to Capernaum and while he was there, you'll never guess what he was doing. Have a listen to this. This is from Mark chapter 1 and verse 32. After sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. So there, back in Mark chapter 1, Jesus is there in the same town, Capernaum, in the same house probably, and he's healing people. And the sick guy and his mates, they would have heard about it. They heard about all these people Jesus had healed. They knew this sick guy needed to be healed, and so they came to Jesus for help. Just one problem, though. They can't actually get to Jesus. Verse 4. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd... They made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralysed man was lying on. 
Friends, can you imagine the scene here? Can you imagine being one of the people in that room with Jesus? You start to hear this kind of tapping and scratching in the roof over your head. And then you see bits of debris start falling down around you and maybe start breathing in and choking on some of the dust. And then you see this man being lowered down slowly, awkwardly probably, on his mat. You can almost picture him kind of hanging on for dear life, almost rolling off the mat at times as it goes on all sorts of strange angles. But this guy, remember, has got some really good friends. They clearly love him. They know he can't walk. They know he needs to be healed. And so they've carried him to this house because they want to get into this Jesus because they've heard what this Jesus is capable of. Now, when they do eventually get him to Jesus... Jesus says a strange thing. Confronted by this crippled guy who's been lowered through the roof right in front of him, Jesus' response is a surprising one. Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, do you reckon at this point the paralytic and his mates may actually have been a little disappointed? You can almost picture it, can't you? The four friends kind of peering down through this hole in the roof. Jesus has done his stuff, he's said his words, but their friend is still lying there on his mat. He's still paralysed. He's still a cripple. You can almost hear him yelling down through the hole, we didn't actually go to all this trouble for that. We just want our friend to be able to walk, please. Did you see what's going on here? Jesus looks past that. He looks past this guy's immediate needs and he sees something that this poor guy needs even more than being able to walk. Might not be what he asked for, might not be what his friends would have asked for, but it is what he needed most, even more than being able to walk. And look, in the same way that Jesus looks past this sick guy's needs, he looks past our problems. He looks past our work problems. He looks past our money problems. He looks past our relationship problems and our health problems. As significant and as real as they are, Jesus can actually see that there's an even bigger problem than all of them. We've got sins. We're not perfect. We all do wrong things and it set up this terrible barrier between us and God. And being cut off from God like that, it has terrible consequences. It means death. It means punishment. It means hell. God's punishment for sin, you see, is everlasting, godless death in hell. And the only way, the only possible way to avoid that is to have your sins wiped away, just like we already thought about. The only possible way to avoid that is to be forgiven. And friends, that is something we cannot do on our own. And so for this paralytic, Jesus actually does the best thing for him. He meets his biggest need. He forgives his sins. Which may have been a surprise for the sick man and his mates, but it absolutely infuriates some other people. Verse 6. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? These guys are ropeable, right? Why is he talking like that? How dare he? This sick guy's a sinner. He's got sins. They know that because of his sin, he deserves to be cut off from God. They know he deserves everlasting godless death in hell. 
They've got some kind of comprehension that hell is utterly terrible, even though it's worse than anything they can begin to comprehend. And they know that even though this sick guy's a cripple, he deserves to be there because he's a sinner. And yet, here in Capernaum, standing in a dim, dusty, stuffy room, so crowded with people that a paralysed guy has to be lowered down through a hole in the roof, Jesus effectively says, I'll fix that problem. I'll get you out of hell. Your sins are forgiven. Can you really do that? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And friends, that is a critical question, really. Because it doesn't matter how great it sounds to escape death. It doesn't matter how appealing it is to be spared the torment and the pain and the anguish of hell. It doesn't matter how much you want a fresh start. It doesn't matter how good it will be to have your slate wiped clean. It doesn't matter how amazing it is to have all your sins completely forgotten. It all means nothing if it can't actually happen. And the teachers of the law, when they ask that question... Who can forgive sins but God alone? They are spot on. See, I can't forgive you for something you've done to someone else. That's between you and them. Only the person who's had the wrong done against them can forgive. And ultimately, when we do things wrong, well, we do it against God. Because you see, He's the one who made the universe, He's the one who made this planet, He's the one who made you, He's the one who made me. And so he's the one who has the right to tell us how to live. And so God's the one we reject and we ignore and we disobey and we wrong when we do things our own way. So whether you murder or commit adultery or whether you lie or cheat on your tax return or whether you're just rude and selfish or you deliberately say things to hurt someone else Whatever you do wrong, ultimately you do it against God. Which means only God can forgive your sins. So when Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven, can he really do it? Can Jesus actually forgive this guy's sins? Well, in the next few verses, Jesus goes on to give an amazing demonstration so as to show that he can forgive sins. We'll pick it up from verse 8. Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? It's a funny question, isn't it, which is easier? I reckon it's almost a kind of a riddle. See, on the one hand, it's actually quite easy to say your sins are forgiven. I can say that because you can't, tell, you can't see if people's sins are forgiven. I could say to Jono, Jono, your sins are forgiven and you can't tell if they really are or not. How do you know if that's happened? You don't know. It's a lot harder to say, pick up your mat and walk. So if Jono was paralysed and I said to him, get up and walk, you could all tell if I could actually do that, which is easier. Well, forgiving sins isn't easy, is it? It actually cost Jesus his life. In order for Jesus here to say your sins are forgiven, he will have to take the punishment for those sins upon himself. He'll have to take God's anger against those sins upon himself. 
In order for Jesus here to say your sins are forgiven, he will have to be crucified and he will have to die on a cross. That's not easy. But to heal a man, to make a paralysed man walk, that's clearly not easy either. And I actually wonder whether the point that Jesus is making here is simply that neither of these things is easy. In fact, they're both impossible. It's impossible for a man to forgive sins. Only God can do that. It's impossible for a man to make a crippled person walk. Only God can do that too. Here's the thing though. Last Sunday on Christmas Day, we thought about a mind-blowing truth that changes absolutely everything. Let me remind you. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means... God with us. That's talking about Jesus and his birth. That little baby, meek and mild, lying in the manger, surrounded by farm animals. That's God, the creator of the universe. And he came to be with us. Jesus, who grew up and became a man and calmed storms and walked on the water and raised dead people back to life. That's God with us. Jesus who stood there in that room in Capernaum with a crippled guy lying at his feet, that's God with us. Now do you see what that means? Because Jesus is God with us, he can forgive sins. What Jesus is offering here is total forgiveness from God. And the reason he can offer it is because he is God with us. Only God can forgive sins. Now, it's actually hard for Jesus to prove that he has forgiven this guy's sins. So to help us see, he does something else, something obvious that only God can do. He makes the crippled guy walk. Verse 10. In order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. And he got up took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. No kidding. Have you just followed what happened? Jesus has healed a paralysed man in front of a room full of people in order to prove that he can forgive sins. And immediately the guy who couldn't walk, he got up and he picked up his mat and he walked. Immediately his legs were healed. Whatever atrophy there might have been in his muscles, it was gone. His brain knew how to coordinate things. He had balance and he walked out of there. Jesus has done the impossible. Twice. Jesus has done things only God can do. He forgave this guy's sins and he healed him. This sick person came just wanting to walk. And he left not only walking, but with immeasurably more than that. He left forgiven by God. There's a story that some years ago, Arnold Palmer, the famous American golfer, was invited by the king of Saudi Arabia to come and play a series of exhibition golf matches. Arnold Palmer accepted the invitation and so the king flew him over on his private jet. He proceeded to play in these tournaments and as he was leaving to head back to the USA, as he was about to get on the plane, the king uh, said he would like to give him a thank you gift. 
anything he wanted, a memento of his visit. Arnold Palmer said it wasn't necessary. Look, you've been a great host. I've enjoyed playing here. I couldn't possibly ask for anything more. The king insisted. He said he'd be really disappointed if he couldn't give at least something. So eventually Arnold Palmer gave in. Okay, he said, well, I do collect golf clubs. How about you give me a golf club? That would be a lovely souvenir of my visit. Then he hopped on the plane and he flew home. A few days later, he received something in the mail from the king. He opened it to discover it was the title to a golf club, an 18-hole golf club. Trees, fairways, bunkers, a clubhouse, a 500-acre golf club. Now, the reason I mention that story is because Arnold Palmer asking the king of Saudi Arabia for one little golf stick, it's a bit like this sick man coming to Jesus and asking to walk. What he's asking for is far too small. It's far too insignificant. Now, it turns out that Jesus gave him what he wanted. He made the crippled guy walk. But he also forgave his sins, which sure may not have been what he asked for, but it's what he needed more than anything else. It's infinitely more valuable. And I wonder if the sick man realised that. You know, we're not really told here at the end. The sick man picked up his mat and he walked out. I wonder if he realised the significance of who Jesus is. I wonder if he realised just what it was that he needed more than anything else. I wonder if he grasped the importance of just what he'd received. What about you? Do you realise the significance of who Jesus is? Have you realised what your biggest need is? Have you grasped the enormity of what Jesus is offering this morning? Maybe, in all honesty, you're actually a bit like the Jewish leaders, you know, these teachers of the law. Maybe, like them, it annoys you that Jesus doesn't fit in to how you think life should work. His agenda doesn't match yours. He doesn't kind of fit in with your expectations. Maybe, like them, it frustrates you that there are issues in your life that you want fixed up, you want Jesus to help with, but he just doesn't seem all that interested in fixing them. You want to be happier. You want to be more fulfilled. You want to be healthier. You, you want to feel better about yourself. But Jesus persistently doesn't seem to be as interested in those things as you are. And at times you actually resent that. At times it's a bit irritating. If that's you, can I gently remind you that Jesus is God with us? He actually doesn't fit into our agenda, we fit into his. And that's a good thing. Because he knows what he's doing. He made us. He knows what we need better than we do. He knows our biggest need is forgiveness by God. He knows we need to have our relationship with God fixed up. But hey, maybe you're not irritated by Jesus. Maybe you're a bit intrigued by him. But at the same time, you're kind of not sure. You're a bit off-centre with what he's on about. You're not really on the same page with all this Jesus priority of sins needing to be forgiven. And, you know, maybe it shows because you've never genuinely bothered to ask Jesus to forgive your sins. Friends, I hope that's not you. Because this morning we've been helped to look past our immediate kind of felt needs. We've been helped to look past our work problems and our money problems and 
our health problems and our relationship problems as significant and as real as they are, we've been helped to see that there's an even bigger problem than them. We've got sins. And our biggest need is to have our sins forgiven. And we've seen Jesus can do that. So on this first morning of a new year, what would you ask Jesus for? Imagine if tomorrow morning you woke up with a headache, right? And it gets worse and worse as the morning goes on. And by mid-afternoon it's so bad that you decide you need to go to the doctor because you want help to fix it up. The doctor examines you, does a few tests, and after a few minutes comes back to give you the news. Look, I'm really sorry, but you've actually got a brain tumour. That's what's causing the headaches. And eventually, if you don't do something about it, it'll kill you. Now, how ridiculously stupid would it be to turn around and simply say to the doctor, yeah, that's all interesting, but can I just have a Panadol for my headache? Asking for a Panadol when you've got a brain tumour? That's like coming to Jesus and asking for a better job or more money. It's like coming to Jesus and asking even for a better marriage. It's like this crippled guy coming to Jesus and asking to walk when what he really needs is to have his sins forgiven. And we just like that paralytic, you know, we think we need all this stuff. But what we need more than anything else, our biggest need by far, is to have our sins forgiven by God. Jesus is God with us. He made a paralysed guy walk. He can forgive sins. He loves to forgive sins. And if you ask him to forgive your sins, do you know what he'll say? He'll say, son or daughter, your sins are forgiven. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for that wonderful truth that in Jesus you came to be with us. Thank you that you came to be with us because you love us and because you want to help us. And Father, thank you for what we've seen this morning as, as Jesus, God with us, met this sick person. Thanks for the way that he's just reshaped what we think of as important. But so clearly our biggest need is to have our sins forgiven. And Father, thank you that Jesus can forgive sins. And so we pray that you'll help us to trust him to do that for us. We pray these things in his name. Amen.